Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Lifetime's Robin Roberts Presents Mahalia. From executive producers Robin Roberts and Linda Berman comes the biopic of the legendary Mahalia Jackson. Grammy Award winner Daniel Brooks stars as the trailblazer whose music moved, inspired, and changed people's hearts. Critics have praised Brooks's transformative performance into the Queen of Gospel as thunderingly good. Directed by Kenny Leon and written by Bettina Jillowa and Todd Kreidler, this Lifetime original movie continues to inspire viewers and highlights the ongoing fight for social justice. Robin Roberts presents Mahalia for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Howdy, folks, and welcome to another episode of Deadline's New Hollywood Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dino Ray Ramos. Today, we have the wonderful Sung Kang from Fast and Furious 9, a.k.a. F9, if you want to <laughs> call it that. Whatever, you know, call it whatever you want, because it is a bonkers fun movie, and it's out June 25th. Uh, Sung Kang, as you know, has been in many a thing, but he is known as Han in the Fast and Furious franchise, which is a wonderful, fun summer jaunt with cars. So I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, Sung Kang is wonderful. We loved having him on the podcast. So without further ado, here is Sung Kang. Sung, welcome. Welcome to Deadline's New Hollywood Podcast. Thanks, Thank Amanda. You. Thanks for Thank having me. Thank you for me. joining us today. Um, so, I mean, we've obviously, we've, we've seen you in a lot of things. Um, obviously, the Fast and the Furious franchise is, is, is on top, but we've also seen you in Power. Um, you've been in Better Luck Tomorrow, which I yes. just found out, and I didn't know this. I just found out that your character from that movie is the same character in Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Crossover. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm like, is maybe is that the first time that it's, that's ever been done before, taking a character from like a whole different and putting it to, I don't know. Anyways, I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> um, it's unofficial as long as Paramount and Universal. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's yeah. true. Um, yeah. um, but that's, that, anyways, I thought that was interesting, fascinating. I didn't know that till today. Um, so for people who didn't know, um, here's, here's there you go trivia yeah. for everyone. Oh look, you have a oh dog in the back. Oh, yeah. oh my you, goodness, you, look how cute this dog is. Oh, yeah. oh my is. gosh! Oh, oh, oh my lord! Oh my goodness, look how cute! Oh my goodness, what's what's his or her name? Teji, which Teji? means Ted with a D A D A E J I means pig in Korean. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh my god i like how he made a cameo thank you and thank you for for joining us yeah (laughs) he's old you can say if you want it's okay (laughs) um okay don't embarrass me shake shake oh yeah oh my god yes (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that was so anyways um now that we're all i think everyone's just distracted by dogs here yeah you guys i know you guys can't see this dog but it's the cutest dog um so a song so i want to ask you um so you 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 you're from georgia right you grew up in atlanta um was it atlanta 
Uh, Gainesville. I, Gainesville. I, I lived in Atlanta, Clarkston when I was younger, and then moved up to Gainesville. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um. So. So. What. What made you just. Just. What made you want to become an actor? Like. What. What. what where was the spark for you? I think it's growing up. You know, in mm. places like Georgia, where you. You know, just being. You know, a child of the '70s and '80s. You know, there was very few Asian Americans out there. Um. You know, and then. As a kid, you're looking for identity, especially in America. As you're turning on TV, you get the sports heroes, you get the action heroes, and you get the movies. And you're looking for yourself. You're looking for a voice. And you know, I didn't want to like be invisible. I felt like you know, I would go to school, and if I didn't know martial arts or was good at geometry, I had no like purpose. Mm -hmm. I had no function, right? No place. Right. And that's something I, you know, as an American kid, you adopt and you you digest everything that is beautiful about being growing up in America, like mm -hmm. to wish, to dream, to say, I want to be a sports hero. I want to be a Jordan. I want to be a Stephen right. Queen. I want to be a Brad Pitt. And so, you know, as a kid, I knew that that was part of my personality. I wasn't a model minority, if you will. I wasn't quiet. Someone punched me, I punched them back. You know, that was mm -hmm. just the way, you know, it, that's just the way I was wired. And I wanted a voice, Amanda. As simple mm -hmm. as that was that yeah. I said, before I die, how do I like be relevant? How am I not invisible? And I looked at my sports heroes and I said, maybe baseball is the way to do it. But, you know, in the eighties, there weren't the Chanho parks or these, you know, major league players from all over the world that mm -hmm. could inspire kids saying you can do as well. Right. So I was looking, looking for like my mentor and, you know, on, in the movies, you know, you know, and people use Bruce Lee almost as a cliche, but it wasn't the martial arts. It was about when I saw, you know, dudes like wear, um, like on the basketball court, wear Bruce Lee as a t-shirt while they're playing, I knew that he crossed over. Like mm -hmm. his ethos, his power, his, his ideology is what people you know, responded to, not necessarily his Asian-ness or just right. his martial arts, right? And, I said, that's something I wanted to do. But I said, how do you do that? You know, at my dinner conversations, it was about, you know, how do you, you know, get out of, you know, the situation we're in financially and have a home, have a business card, have insurance, have the right, American right, dream right. that an immigrant like my mother would have, and not being a movie star, like which yeah. that's insane. You know, that's for that's for privileged, right? Yeah, I I, I right. read that your 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 parents were hesitant when you when you first started going out and and pursuing the career. Still hesitant. My mom to this day. <laughs> oh my god! And you're part of the biggest. Well, uh, that, that sounds on parents. brand for Asian parents, though, right? <laughs> or any immigrant parents. Okay. So you know, Dina wears glasses. I wear glasses typically, and my mother mm -hmm. tells me. And when I told her I wanted to be an actor, she saw something that I was in. I was so proud. It was like my first thing. So at VHS, you know, and uh, she watches it and I call her and she goes, yeah, you know, they're just people who aren't, you know, born to be actors and that's you. And I go, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, why? She goes, you wear glasses. Like, you, you don't take, you have to wear glasses. Otherwise you look like you're up to something. You don't, you have cold eyes. She goes, you're not what? born. You're not, there are people who are born to do that. And I go like, who? She was like Elvis Presley, <laughs> like, like Moses from, you know, you know Charlton Heston. I'm like, what are yes. you talking about? Right? I love that she used those as examples. <laughs> but it's like, but that just sounds so on point for any immigrant parents, right? It's like, it's yeah. coming out from love, you know, but also at the same time, it's like, oh, they shape, they're shading you. They'll shape me the first to shade you. <laughs> first right they're like who's gonna watch you and i'm like because <laughs> i don't even want to watch you if i don't want to watch you right gonna watch you? Oh, great confidence builder yeah right Guys, this is why i'm an actor this is why i chose this field i right? love that <laughs> yeah yeah but you know as i get older i understand where her concern and her you know, I guess her lens, her point of reference mm -hmm. comes from, you know, you know, she is the working class, you know, that conversation of being at the Oscars or being on TV and like wearing mm -hmm. a tuxedo, you know, she wasn't, you know, that, when the first time I like, you know, was flown like on a business flight for a film, you know, I was like think, talking to my mom about it and she, to this day, you know, unless 
to this day, she can't imagine like she could merit like being there. And that's like the mindset that, you know, I grew up with. So no fault to her. She wanted something stable, right? Right. Yeah. And that's some wish, right? Because she, there's no way she could help me. Right. Um, Yeah. 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 We talk about it all the time on this podcast because you and I are both first generation. Um, he, well, I'm first generation Nigerian, and you know, for it's hard for our parents when we when we want to go for these unconventional type careers because you know they they came to this country for you know the American dream, which is yeah. in their head is you know you you can become a doctor, yeah. a lawyer an engineer and become yeah. super successful, they don't really see success in other areas. And like you said, it's it's not to their fault. Obviously they want the best for their kids. Yeah. But, you know, just thinking of like the examples that your mom pulled up about, you know, people <laughs> that you want to watch on TV. Obviously they're, they're, our parents didn't see a lot of who, what we look like on TV or on, on in film either. Yeah. But that also added to their, obviously added to their hesitation there, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah like our my, my like our parents my parents didn't come here to like have me host a podcast <laughs> right <laughs> well, well like in retrospect you know but now yeah. they're like they're a they little bit that, more though. like Remember, i don't know if your parents said my parents were like we didn't come here to watch you dance or yeah it, it is yeah. interesting though because like well now they're supportive i think they just like pretty much gave up they're just like oh you're gonna do what you want but like once my sister had her grandkid or the, the grandkids then all the like they don't care about me anymore. right like once <laughs> once like grandkids are in the picture or anything you know my parents don't care about me they, they care about me but they, they're just like oh wait so you're gonna do this okay fine whatever <laughs> you know we'll, we'll focus yeah. our attention to <laughs> the, rest of the grandkids doctors yeah yeah, yeah. uh well so what you know what were your first experiences like you know in hollywood or you know auditioning and and for roles and uh, you know i think you're you're probably more of my generation you know in that interesting crux of gen x and millennial uh but yeah but like how was it what 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 kind of auditions were you going on what roles were you landing like i think i know the answer but i want to hear it from you <laughs> nothing absolutely oh, zero oh yeah. yeah i mean from 94 i started studying with the gentleman sal romeo who mm. I sought after because I wanted to find other Asian American males that were playing three-dimensional roles. So I, I, I watched the film, A Map of the Human Heart, starring Jason Scott Lee, Hawaiian, Chinese born, uh, I mean, Hawaiian born, Chinese American actor, studied under Sal, Dustin Nguyen from 21 Jump Street, also mm-hmm. studied with Sal. So they're about 10 years older than me. And I saw their career, I would watch and kind of, you know, like track them and I go, hey, I wonder where they got their foundation. So I was doing an extra job for CENCOM security. It was a home security starring uh, Peter Falk, Columbo, and I played mm-hmm. like a background actor. And the production manager was a striving Korean American actor and said that he had tracked down Jason Scott Lee's acting teacher. And I said, I begged them to take me. I said, I've been looking for Jason, man. I can't, this is pre-internet, social media. I'm like, I'm looking for that guy. I need to you know, follow his path. I need to know like where he trained and all that. So this guy, Steve Kim took me to go meet Sal. And from that day on, I was studying with Sal and um, I would go out and try to get an um, audition, but you need an agent. And then if you meet one agent, you have to be in the union, all that stuff. You know, back in the day, you know, if you really wanted the information, it was harder because there was no social, you know, internet. You had to go to Samuel French and look through the books and then go and do extra gigs and ask, you know, you know, PAs and ask veteran, you know, professional SAG extra guys, like, how do I get a voucher? How do I do that? And so probably from 94 to like 99, 98, you know, I was just trying to survive. I mean, I was a delivery guy. I was a bartender or as a waiter, I was a, a tutor, you know, I had all these jobs like within this like romantic notion of I'm pursuing this, you know, this, this dream called the Hollywood actor. And at that time, 
it was still affordable. You could go get a couple of jobs and still pay rent and live with a few people and, you know, still pay for acting class and do student films. So it was, you know, it was a, it was a good time in terms of economy to be able to do it. But then in terms of opportunity, there was nothing guys like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I couldn't wow. get an agent to save my life. So my friends and I from acting class created a fake management company. We knew a actress who could do a, like a fake British accent sounded good to us she recorded <laughs> she recorded on her voicemail on the pager remember they had the voicemail yeah <laughs> oh, dope. so you would call and you would just hit the voicemail and go hi you know Bernstein and you know Halliburton are not in at the moment but please leave your message and it was this elegant you know you know British accent and then via fax machine we would pull you know a few hundred dollars a month and then buy the breakdowns per day. And then mm-hmm. we would rotate. So there'd be like seven of us. And then I and Dino would look through all the breakdowns and we'd find the uh, character breakdown that would fit you, Amanda, and me and the other guys. Oh, okay. Put into a fake letterhead and envelope. And then we hired a courier company that had access to the studio casting directors. We couldn't get in. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they would just dump it in their mailroom. And then they would go, who's Bernstein and Halliburton? Halliburton. <laughs> That's Box, so what? dope. Yeah. And I wow. got my first job. My first job was with Ma- Romney Malco from 40-Year-Old Virgin. Oh, yes. Right? He and I got this PSA, anti-racism PSA for Cal State Pomona or Fullerton. And it was through this fake management company that I got my first paid gig. And it was with him. And we were like starting our career. And he's like, wow. hey, you know, I want to be an actor, you know, but I come from music and I, you know, I wanted to be a hip hop artist and I'm going into acting. And basically it's he and I at a bus, bus stop and you get in, you hear our inner dialogue and it's just racial, like yeah, battering yeah. each other to go, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Well, now there's no more racism. There's no more racism. Your PSA works. Good job. But we taught you a whole bunch of slangs you didn't know. Oh, Oh my God. That whole story you just said is like a movie. It's like a a grind out here. Like, I wonder, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't wonder how people, I'm sure it's so much easier now these days, but like the creativity that y'all had to do just to get in the room. And yeah. And then it's also like y'all didn't have that access Mm -hmm. and y'all made that access. And, you know, it, it may be questionable to some people but <laughs> and you and you know it's it's crazy that you say like you had to like go through and take turns choosing the roles that fit yeah. you know because that shows that there weren't a lot yeah, yeah. That fit. god none. yeah yeah there were, none. there were no roles i mean i went out for stuff that was like i knew i was never gonna get you know mm-hmm. it's like and you look at it, it's like 70 year old, you know, Zen Buddhist master. I'm like, what are you mean? My hair walking in. What's up, guys? I'm from Georgia. Hey. Oh my God. I'm really excited with, about Bernstein management. Let's, let's, let's bring them back. Right. Let's, <laughs> like, if I ever get an Oscar, let's bring them back. That's my I like to think Bernstein. Yes. Oscar. You should. <laughs> your Oscar speech, right? For getting me my first gig. Well, I mean, it's like, I mean, like, yeah, it's questionable, but it was needed because right. otherwise, how would y'all have gotten, you guys were hustling, you know, and, and creatively. Just the fact that you started all of that shows that you have that ambition and like the drive. Yeah. So people should just be able, shout out to Bernstein, whatever <laughs> management company. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but wait, you, you did start, you know, eventually fast forward to 2002, Better Luck Tomorrow comes out, right? And, yeah. and it, it, you know, it was groundbreaking and it made an impact, I want to say. Like, I have this interesting, like, mon- like, kind of dialogue in my head about Better Luck Tomorrow. Like, I was so excited for it when it came out. I was all, I, like, had just graduated college. I was all, oh, my God, this is so dope. Um, I mean, like, it did cause ways, but it kind of, like, it seemed like Hollywood was like, oh, that's cool. And then they stopped paying attention, right? They're just like, oh, this is so groundbreaking, but whatever, you know. And, and then it kind of fizzled away. Like, how, what, 
you know, what was your experience making that film? And, you know, and, and it caused ways, but like, how did you even like navigate the, I don't want to say aftermath, but the reaction, because it, it reached a peak. I remember like people still talk about, uh, 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 who, who, who was it Roger Ebert in, in the Sundance screening, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, like being very vocal about that. Like there were a bunch of uh, publicists like David Magdell and Annalie Paolo, who I still talk to now that they were a part of that team at, yeah. at uh, and they, everyone was like so emotional, but then kind of just faded away. And I was like, oh, what happened? But like, how did you just even like from the beginning of that to kind of like, the, you know, the reaction, how did you, how did you navigate all that? Well, I'll start by answering the uh, reaction part of it, right? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. Well, the fizzle, fizzle part of it, right? Yeah. In hindsight, when you look, compare, you just study, you just apples to apples, you know, crazy rich Asians to better oh. like tomorrow, yeah. you know, it's 15 years, you know, post internet email, right? right. Global, global consumption of media and you know, it's show business. What we were taught by Paramount early on, which was a great education for us, is that you can be idealistic as artists, but it's called show business, operated right. being business. And there's numbers, right? If P&A is going to cost two and a half million and our budget was $100,000 and the movie makes 5 million, it doesn't merit anything. It's like, mm. man, maybe we'll send it to home DVD. We'll make some ancillary income, but it doesn't, it didn't make enough. It made 30 million. It would have been a different conversation. It would mm -hmm. have been, oh, and mm. best advice we got during that time. And our producer sat us down and said, it's not a matter of color. You could be green, orange, blue. If you make us green, there'll be more product, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. you know, look at Jackie Chan, look at Jelly. There's a consumption of that from a demographic that merits about 30 million, you know, in yeah. the box office. So you can make a movie for 15, pay the actors, do some ad, and you make 10 million. People are pretty happy, at least back then. At 5 million, it's a massive campaign. It like, could be a fluke. You know, they don't have anything to compare it to. And the email was just beginning. And that's why we even got to 5 million was all the Asian American student organizations throughout America, yeah. the universities, they were the first ones to really rally on the email, you know, campaigns and communication right mm -hmm. and that's how the word of mouth you know when you know got around and that's how we were able to travel and mm -hmm. campaign and that goes into like the experience you know that was like you know when you see documentaries or you hear about boy bands and their journey you know at the beginning mm -hmm. when everything was great and <laughs> they're learning to be famous and all right. that that was us man like we're still at the Red Robin in and all of a sudden, like no one knows our name. Nobody ever asked me for a picture. They're like, hey, can you come here and take the picture for us? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. For the first time, like someone's like, hey, can I take a picture with you, Han? Like, and they talk about your work. And most importantly, where you, besides, you know, yourself, it, you see all of these college kids that remind you of yourself when you were that age. And it's, you gave them something they were searching for, their face on a movie mm, mm. that could explain at least a glimpse of their life, mm. you know? And BLT really kind of tapped into that age demographic, the stresses you have trying to get into college, the social stresses, being Asian American in Southern Cali, all of that, that ego or the cadence that a you know, West Coast Asian American has opposed to East Coast or from the South, right? So, mm. you know, I think it was interesting to see because we were in our 30s when we did that film. And so we see these college kids and you see in their eyes, it's like we were their Backstreet Boys at the time. And everyone yeah. <laughs> has their favorite. Like, what, you know, mm -hmm. one college student into, you know, Perry because he's cute. He's so cute. He's so yeah. cute. <laughs> you know, and Someone likes me because I'm smoldering and the quiet yes. one, right? You the were the one. you were yeah. brooding all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that experience was amazing. The filmmaking aspect of it was, you know, for me, eye opening and my first experience working with Asian Americans um, um. that had a similar, I guess, mission. You know, yeah, yeah. Like a similar dream and at least their approach 
it wasn't like posturizing and they weren't doing it for the wrong reasons. You know, previously I worked on some Asian American films and I was like, you guys just want to be a director so you could say that, but you don't really know what you're doing. You don't have a why yeah. while you're making these movies and you don't know how to be a leader. Like you can go to a school and you can be from Ivy League or go to NYU or UCLA. But if you don't know how to collaborate with people and communicate and tell people's stories, like we have no chance. And yeah. so it was a long time coming to find a filmmaker like Justin Lin that could talk yeah. to me in like basketball analogies so we can just cut to the chase like I have a shorthand, but also have a real why behind it, you know? And mm. he walked the walk, you know? Like we were offered, he was offered a million dollars to get rid of us and recast Better Luck Tomorrow to all Caucasian actors. Wow. Shut, why didn't I not, I may have known that. I don't know, oh my God. Like like a week prior, we we they pulled out. They said because our budget was like 150 or something, and yeah, they said we'll give you a million, but you have to change the cast. And he's like, Wow, and so wow, they pulled out. We shot one day and Mm. at the church parking lot, which we didn't pay for, we were there on like a Sunday, (laughs) and then we shot that. And then Justin called me, I went to go play some basketball, and he said, I'll give you the tape, you know, the stuff we shot, but you know. We're not going to really be able to shoot this movie. I'm going to put some stuff on my credit card, but I don't think we're going to be able to finish, you know. And then he then he called MC Hammer. Yeah, right? I read about that. And MC Hammer yeah. like wired you guys the money the next day or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank I mean, God, here he, comes the hammer. I know. Come on. <laughs> cool. it was yeah. Hammer time. I mean, that tells you. That tells you because it wasn't Hammer time. I mean, he he, I, we, he deserves a lot of credit and for you know. Tokyo Drift fans, if you go back to Tokyo scenes, he's all over Tokyo on the billboards. Mm-hmm. And Justin put them all over there as a thank you, you know? But Justin had met him at the convention center to look at the Canon XL1. It was the first consumer three-chip camera back, back in the day. And it was an option to the cost of shooting on film, right? Because he was planning on doing BLT. And Hammer was there because he's like a techie and he was asking Justin, hey kid, you know, you know anything about this? And, you know, he was helping him out. And he goes, what do you want to do? And he goes, I want to be a director. And, you know, I gave him his phone number. He goes, well, call me one day, kid. And then fast forward, yeah. we run out of money. He's like, he has a souvenir of Hammer on the wall going, I have his number, he calls him. You know, he's like, Hammer, you know, remember me? He goes, not really. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, but yeah, I was that kid. And he goes, yeah, what's up? And he goes, he tells him the story. And he goes, hey, kid, it's not hammer time anymore, but, um, <laughs> you know, I can send you this and, you know, no strings attached, but I want to yeah. support your dream. And so, you know, he really kind of sparked this whole, like, you know, the, the next stage of like, let's try. So then, you know, Justin, we just kept shooting and then yeah. we ran out of money again. And he started <laughs> putting on credit cards, swiping <laughs> those credit cards, but each company is like, you know, slowly blocking the other one. And then... Um, <laughs> Dang. I was wor- I was working at a restaurant in Beverly Hills, and this couple, Japanese couple, that shot commercials for Japanese, uh, uh, you know, corporations, came in and they saw how like depressed I was, and I told them what was going on that we're getting shut down, and she asked if you know she could meet Justin and read the script, and then and then the next day we went to see her, and then she wrote us a fifty thousand dollar check. My goodness. Wow. Fifty thousand. So we were able to get through that movie, and then Cherry Sky Joan, a student at Berkeley, had interest in being a producer or going into filmmaking. And Justin had was a TA, and he had done, you know, went over there to help somebody from the the Japanese American Museum, right? And had met Joan, and when he ran out of you know money, called her and said, you know, hey, do you remember me? And she's like, yeah. And then she came in. And she invested. So then we had like this total grassroots, like Hollywood story of people from Hammer. Come on, like Hammer. (laughs) Right. And look at you guys now. Like you and Justin, like you're on, I mean, Fast 9. Like this is the biggest franchises in the freaking planet. Like I know. And like for the record, I I can't take credit for this. A a friend, uh, 
friend Jacqueline, you know Jacqueline, Amanda from yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten she like tweeted one day, she was all, just to let you all know, the Fast and the Furious had a cinematic universe way before Marvel. <laughs> and I was all down. Oh. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Lifetime's Robin Roberts Presents Mahalia. From executive producers Robin Roberts and Linda Berman comes the biopic of the legendary Mahalia Jackson. Grammy Award winner Daniel Brooks stars as the trailblazer whose music moved, inspired, and changed people's hearts. Critics have praised Brooks's transformative performance into the Queen of Gospel as thunderingly good. Directed by Kenny Leon and written by Bettina Jillowa and Todd Kreidler, this Lifetime original movie continues to inspire viewers and highlights the ongoing fight for social justice. Robin Roberts presents Mahalia for your Emmy consideration in all categories. But I mean, it's true, and it's what, like I said, it's one of the biggest franchises on the planet, and it's so it's so great to hear the story, to hear where you guys came from, and the grind, and the grassroots, um, 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 getting investors to to where you are, where you guys are now. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, um, and I mean, obviously, your character. We first saw your character Han in uh, in Tokyo Drift. Um, where where he sadly died, but then we got to see him again. Died, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> the best serious version of died. Um, and, you know, obviously, they, because your your character was such a fan favorite, they brought it back to the prequels, um, and now we get to we get to see him again in in this latest um, latest one. So I'm just I'm, I'm just curious for you, um, just um, just going back to like when you were when you first signed on to do this film. What were your expectations, um, and then what 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 would you say appealed to you about? Or was it just was it just like uh, you know you you there's the character you were familiar with, and it was a great opportunity to bring him to life. And this what was what was the appeal for you to 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 do this? To- well, the, the appeal is like a, a the call to action from the the. Hashtag Justice for Han. You know, yes. that was, I think sparked by you know Jen, and really supported by Jen Yamato. From yeah, the- friend, uh, friend, <laughs> we love friend. Jen. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I, I don't think I ever had met Jen prior to that. You know, and mm-hmm. um, you know, she started that. I started seeing on social media, and then, you know, you know, I, I felt like. Han could rest in peace and as an actor I wanted to explore other characters and it was mm-hmm. great to go on that journey but I was ready to go and then mm-hmm. you know seeing complete strangers out there and that are not biased because they like some or they're my friends they actually have a deep rooted like reasons an itch that they need to scratch like Jen you know this whole justice for Han and, mm-hmm. and then just like observing it from you know 30 feet away going how awesome is it to be part of a universe where characters you know, are brought back to life, even just an idea and memory. Right. Like she had a, she had a whole like shrine and like a, like a vigil. <laughs> she went and bought flowers. I'm like, at first I was like, this woman's crazy. Cause like, you want to talk to her? And I'm like, no, no. Oh, that's crazy. I go, that's crazy. She went to a funeral for me. That is my <laughs> character. Like, I don't want to meet her. But isn't that weird that, though? Yeah. Like you're saying yeah. it is weird. It's like your face is in this memorial, yeah. but it's like that's not. It's you know, not you, but it is you. What do I show up with? Like a yeah. flower for myself? Yeah, yeah it's like a. Like, what do you do? It's like I'd like that I'd is like confusing. To say a few words. <laughs> I want to take thank my management company. I'm just. Like, <laughs> Bernstein and Halliburton. Bernstein and Halliburton. <laughs> Uh, but 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 did you I mean were did you expect I mean you, you joined you joined the film and I can't remember what year Tokyo Drift came out I'm spacing but did you know this was sort of the trajectory that this franchise was going on like what were what were sort of your expectations when you first signed on did you think you were going to be one and done since your character I mean obviously you said you you know you were ready to um explore yeah explore yeah but when you first signed on was that like sort of 
what was what did they tell you? What was the roadmap that they gave you? Was it like you're going to be fine? They, they tell me nothing. They tell okay. you very little because I don't think they know what to tell yeah, you. Yeah. So <laughs> you go, what's going on? They're like, yeah. oh, I don't know. I, I remember I asked the producer from the Fast franchise. I said, hey, you know, how are you bringing me back? Like, <laughs> like I'm dead. Like, I think it was like on six or something. And then I was like, I've died. Like, we showed me die multiple times. Like, how do you do that? And he looks at me and he goes, son, what? He goes, it's a fast movie. <laughs> That's true. I'm all, what? They go, they love you. It's all that matters. It's man. all that matters. For yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when I signed on to Tokyo Drift, first it was, everything was like first time at Disneyland. You know, like mm -hmm. my eyes were like, I'm behind the gates of the studio. They, they actually right. let me in. Oh, suckers, right? I, <laughs> I, I was just worried that they were going to find out I didn't know what I was doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And when, you know, in the script, I, you know, I knew that, you know, by the end of it, you know, Han was going to, you know, pass away, yeah. but I was cool with it. I was like, yeah, I got to go on this experience with my friend and, you know, let's see what happens. And, you know, Justin had no idea because Tokyo Drift was supposed to go straight to DVD. You know? yeah. nobody, mm -hmm. nobody cared, you know, and somehow, you know, Vin's cameo and this, like, you know, somehow this, this need for that world, you know, started to grow that spark. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, so we had no expectation at all. And, and Justin was, he had done this uh, film called Annapolis, right? Mm -hmm. With James Franco. And that's where he met Tyrese and Jordana. And it had come out while we were shooting Tokyo Drift and the, the, the critics killed it. And he mm -hmm. thought he was, that was it. Like he yeah, was yeah. like, dude, you're so lucky. I got to do, I got a job before the movie came out because I don't think they would have hired me, right? And, and that really sparked his, like you know motivation because it was like, i got a need like this could be my last film and so there was this like underlying like you know necessity for the film to work and you know people don't know this but when we made that movie it was many times like you know considered like a follow-up to better luck tomorrow because the amount of goodwill we had in the asian american community to support that film we had mm -hmm. you know real consultants to help with the drifting we had you know all of these like extras and background people come and support the film a lot of our friends are in the, you know crew and the cast right mm -hmm. so you know there was this kind of you know you know this need this desperation this like hopefulness within this movie but we didn't know you know mm -hmm. like the better luck tomorrow there was no prediction because well, we went to Sundance. I had, I called, Justin called me, he goes, wait, we're in Sundance. I go, dude, I don't dance. I don't do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a watcher. Like, I don't, do he goes, no, nah, man, it's in, it's in Utah. It's the film market. I go, what are you talking about? So you're going to buy DVD. Do we sell DVDs there? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I had no idea, man. Like, I had no idea what it was for. Like, it was an education to go there and be a part of that journey, understand the independent film market and learn that and, be in competition and be sold, all of that. So, you know, going into to Tokyo Drift, it was really like my first time that I didn't have to go. Well, actually I was still working. I had like jobs. I was working as a bartender and like a, a waiter while I was shooting Tokyo Drift. You know, wow. because well, yeah. I, I didn't know. And even when the movie came out, I was still working, right? So, wow. you know, it's not like I got an agent right away. Like, you know, mm. it was like, so what, like, you, I, you know, I'm thinking just to follow the Hollywood narrative and the movie will come out. And, um, and by the way, when we were shooting the movie, I didn't know if I was even going to be in the movie. Like who knew that Han was going to be beloved? It's, you know, it's Sean yeah. Boswell's, you know, he's, there's a main character, right? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was just sitting there like watching everybody eating the snacks. Going, this set is nice. That's a, nice, that's a good scene. Good work, guys. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what? Well, speaking to like you know with Han, I can't remember. Like, where did the snacking come from? Because he's always habitually snacking, yeah. and I'm like, oh, that's kind of like me. Uh, I see myself in the snacking. But was that like by accident? Was that written in? Because no. you know, I mean, I know this may be boring to some people, but I'm just curious because yeah, I'm like, because no. we always see him with some sort of like shrimp chip situation or <laughs> something. <laughs> Um, well, you know, better luck, in Better Luck Tomorrow, Han smoked, and he's in okay. high school, right? <gasps> and he's chain smoking. 
And mm-hmm. like, that movie's rated R, it's indie, it's a darker story. Mm-hmm. It's okay, you know, and that's that's the movie I learned how to smoke, really. Like I didn't wasn't really a smoker before that. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I but that move movie I had to learn how to smoke to really, mm-hmm. you know, pull that off. And uh it was appropriate for that Han. But then they were trying to kind of put Han elements into the Han and Tokyo Drift. And that that part of it, you know, had a discussion with Justin and everyone that was involved. Um, and, you know, I, my perspective was, there's a lot of kids that's going to watch this film, man. And, yeah. you know, that's going to, I know that yeah. because when I was a kid, I started like rolling paper and going, yeah, I want to be cool like James Dean or so-and-so. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so... I watched uh, the behind the scenes of Magnificent Seven and uh, Steve McQueen's talking about what he did when he had no lines. Mm. Like, how do you stay active as an actor when you have these mega stars and you're just kind of in the background? And he would snack, he would like be at some kind of activity, like start playing with, like fixing his gun or washing something. Mm-hmm. And, and then I saw Brad Pitt in Snatch and I was like, ah, oh, he doesn't talk much, but when you're observing, you snack you know we watch movies and we're eating and i'm like it's perfect as a mentor han's energy to be able to watch from afar and then you know to to be able to and then then when the camera's on you if it's like you know a three shot or a four shot a wide shot and i have no lines and you know there's all this business and romance going on you know it's like after five seconds you go yeah okay i get it and then you see the dude over there (laughs) i can't go Oh, okay. Mix yeah. it up, right? Yeah. Mix it up. This this great actor, veteran actor, stage actor from New York, gave me advice one day when I was saying, "Man, I wanna, I wanna play the lead, man. Like, I wanna be the star of the film, and I want, I want meat on the bone." And he goes, "Did you know there was a tree? Uh, there's a tree on the Mona Lisa." And I go, "What?" He goes, "There's a tree." He goes, "But people think there's only the Mona Lisa, just the just the woman, but all the pieces make the painting." be the best tree sometimes. Sometimes it's easier to be the tree. And I was like, good point. And yeah. so as an actor, you know, if you have no, no, no lines or you're just there in a big, you know, big like white shot, yeah. you know, it taught me to have activity. And then yeah. that's how, you know, people find you intriguing. And I think that's one of the elements that made Han yeah. like, relatable, relatable, mm. if you will, right? Like we all snack. Yeah. <laughs> he snacks. I snap, yeah. you must be cool. <laughs> yeah, well, it's also right. like, I, I'm glad, I, I never connected that, you know, seeing Han smoke in Better Luck Tomorrow yeah. and like seeing him snacking in the Fast and Furious franchise. It's kind of like, all, oh, he quit smoking and now he's like, this is his kind of replacement habit. Right. So I, I I enjoy that, that, yeah. that that's cool. And I, I, I never realized that his name credited sometimes as Han Solo, Soul, S-E-O-U-L-O-O-H, nod to Han Solo. You're in the Obi-Wan series. <laughs> it all comes together. Look at how everything is just coming full circle. Weird. Weird. Isn't that weird? Weird. <laughs> no, but well, it's like, yeah. Well, the Han Solo thing to clear it up is that that's not his name. It's not Han Solo. The Han Solo is a joke that Han is a master of disguise and there was this fake ID that oh, okay, yeah. was you. So it's not his, it's not his yeah, real yeah. name. It's right. just Han Solo as a joke that has- It's an alias yeah. kind of yeah. thing. And, yeah, and yeah. he's making fun of everybody, but his real name is just Han. There is no mm. last name. And oh, so, it's like a Madonna, like yeah. Cher. Yeah, like, like Prince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I'm not going to lie. When we, we, uh, Amanda and I watched it, uh, and I got emotional when he got on screen for real. And like seeing everyone hug you, I was all, ah, family reunion. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. do, I kind of just want a whole spin off of your story with, uh, uh, I forgot the, uh, the, the, the actress's name, uh, the one that you're, uh, it's Black. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, oh no, no. Oh, 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 oh. Anna Sawai. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah, whole yeah. story Alan. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is so interesting. Um, yeah. but yeah, I just, I, I literally, you know, I was just like, oh, you know, I'm like reflecting on your role in Better Luck Tomorrow and seeing you go through Fast and the Fur- the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, Fast and Furious is like, you know, you know, bonkers and fun and explosions and everything. But I was like, oh man, this 
franchise is pretty damn woke, you know, way before woke was a thing, you know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Inclusive. Yeah. yeah, Like when it came to like casting, it was a very, you know, diverse cast, like from the beginning, it it seemed like that was important to, to the, to the producers or the filmmakers. And also we see the women actually do things, not just kind of like be there and being all, Hey, you know, we're women, you know, (laughs) know, the the coolest question was when we were doing some of the, the EPK and promotions was like, Mm. they were asking me, um, you know, what do you think your opinion about it? Like the representation of women, they get all these cool action scenes. Right. Mm -hmm. And And I was listening to the question and going, Oh, it's nothing new. It's not this. What, why are you even asking the question? It's not, nothing exciting to talk about. We've been doing it for a while. They always yeah. kick butt. There's always yeah. been representation, and, and I shared that, you know, sentiment. I was like, that's pretty awesome. That right. it isn't something that we have to celebrate and go, all right, like finally, right? Like, <laughs> kind of, like of course you are, Michelle. Of course you're gonna, you know, beat up ten dudes, right? Because you're yeah. a badass. Like, yeah. of course it should be like that. So. It's, it's, it's nice that when they say, oh man, I've seen it, that part, I don't mind seeing over and over because that's, yeah, it, and it, exactly. you know, it's, it's, it's nice not to have to celebrate that. Yeah. And I, I do like in this one, I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but we see Jordana and Michelle go on their own thing together yeah, rather, yeah. rather than them but, being paired with a dude, you know? Yeah, Michelle mentioned, I think in an interview that this was the first time they've actually shared a screen together. With I Jordana? Think, I think she said it's the first or time. Or just by themselves. Oh. Yeah, I don't, I don't I don't remember what the context was, but she was talking about this is the first time they've actually shared a screen together. I think since maybe the first one. Oh, I, yeah, I think yeah. so. I'm, I'm, I might be misquoting her, but something yeah. like that. Or something like that. Yeah. But I did like their scene when they got ramen. I got really hungry. Like I was like, ooh, that looks good. So we mentioned, um, you mentioned Obi-Wan and yeah. um, you're all, also in an Apple TV series, right? With um, with um, Julianne, Julianne Moore. Moore. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Julianne Moore. Lizzie's story. It's the Stephen mm-hmm. King. Story. Yeah. It's a, he Stephen King wrote the script. I actually got to meet him on set. It's pretty cool. Oh, dope. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I follow him on Instagram. He's yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean on Twitter. Yeah. Um. But what else do you have coming up that you can talk about, or if there's something that you haven't tackled yet that you're that you're really like itching to tackle yet what what would that be like what genre um, well you know i'm 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 in i've been developing a uh, childhood story based on my experience in Gainesville, georgia when i was mm. a, you know like 10 to 12 with my family um with uh uh sami over at lucas you know lucas tv um mm-hmm. and it's a it's called Only an American. It's basically about my childhood with my sister and my, my father, my stepfather and my mom. And mm-hmm. my stepfather is African-American. I have a biracial sister. She's five years younger than me. And so it's a, a black dude and a Korean immigrant that it just was on the hustle. Like my mom is on, was on the hustle like when she mm-hmm. came out here. And the, and the story of the intersection of Gainesville, Georgia that is the poultry capital of America, by the way. So we, you know, we, we this is where we, you get all your, your, your poultry <laughs> into poultry. So you're welcome. That comes from Gainesville. Okay, okay. But, come on, Tyson yeah. chicken. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, 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 you know, it's kind of a window into, you know, the, the, the daily experiences that we had and I had and, and, and my sister had and my mother had and my dad had in this small Southern town and I think to me, it's really exciting that it's been getting more like, you know, interest. And it actually, for the first time, it tastes like chicken. And what I mean by that is that I would tell people the story. It's like, hey, my dad's black and we were in Gainesville and we had this and my mom is this. And they're two total polar opposites. You know, my dad is like super mellow, always reading. You know, he's like, you know, he's more of like the, you know, the chairman of the board. And my mom is trying to sell you like, you know, she's just trying to sell you everything. She's trying to sell you cigarettes that she should be selling and <laughs> you like cool t-shirts and Newport stuff that you're supposed to get for free. Like she, they had their you know, own section. So I thought like, especially now how timely it is, especially yeah. with, you know, socially what's going on with Asian America, mm. you know, black America, white America, this divisiveness, right? And I go, 
what are the positive images of interactions between Asians and Blacks? When yes. you see these attacks out there, for me, um, it's very contextualized, this mm -hmm. whole Asian hate, because I go, I worry, you know, because I worry that, hey, are we being more divisive showing these images mm -hmm. of minorities mm -hmm. attacking minorities? Mm -hmm. Like, where are the positive and where, where's the balance? And yeah. this is where I had my own call to action and like, you know, woke moment going, what am I doing, man? Like, what am I doing with the blessings or the blessings of narrative, right? Yeah. Of my personal experience where five years ago, two years ago, my story would is it wasn't chicken. It was like, what? I've never had that before. That what is that? Shark fin soup with you know with chitlins? I don't want that. You know, like, I don't even understand it. They don't even they couldn't yeah. get it. Where now I feel like you know this is something that people need to see. They need to mm -hmm. see the relationships we you know between my my mother and my father, a, a woman from Korea coming with the idea of the American dream, but then being affected by the black experience that my through my dad's eyes, yeah. right? And then teaching her about American racism, which yeah. she had no knowledge about. Oh, and then wow. teaching me and my sister about our place in America through her lens. Right. But then our father, civil rights activist, part of that movement, but certain generation, where as a kid, I go, why do you call white men sir all the time? Mm. He's, like, he's, from, he's from Paris, Texas. Is what, yeah. This is a generation. He's like, yeah, yeah, avoid. Yeah, yeah. Avoid the conflict, right? Or, right. And it, you know, and then trying to raise a minority man without the fear of what, how he sees himself in this country, but as an American, but still be aware of the issues without being negative about it, yeah. right? Oh so complex, right? It's such a but, rich, it sounds such a rich story. Yeah. 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 That's so, dope. Yeah, yeah I'm so excited. That, that's something that I'm super excited about and i feel like you know there's been a lot of great support up to this point and you know mm -hmm. we're trying to get this thing made and yeah right now we're looking for a showrunner and um and i think it's something that you know it's just just i think uh, yeah it's just something we, we need at this moment you know and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm i'm happy to be a part of it yeah yeah, yeah. well i'm guessing it'd be like an hour drama uh, i'm guessing well, you know, in this business, you, you realize you have to, you know, kind of be like water and, and see, first of all, where we're going to land, what yeah. their appetite is. If it's half hour comedy, I didn't see it like that at first. I saw more like Wonder Years. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like that kind of, you know, perspective, right? Yeah. Um, but it could work as a half hour comedy. I just don't want it, you know, because there's so many like subtextual messages that I don't want. To just be overlooked you know like yeah, i want yeah, it yeah. to be as poignant as like you know um um you know what was that the family um all in the family oh, okay yeah yeah, so yeah 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 through laughter to be able to you know address yeah. these issues right oh so like a yeah. kind of like a norman lear situation yeah. yeah but it would be nice to have one camera single cam style yeah. right mm. where it's a little slower you know so right. yeah you know, that's my vision but we'll see yeah, we'll we'll, we, we would love to see that. That's yeah. We'll put it out in the universe. Yeah, it's out there now. That get, yeah, yeah. That, get, that gets excited, you know, like yeah. stories like that that we've never we never see on TV. But those are the things that we need. Um, yeah. Okay, so so we like to end our this session, um, the interview with this uh, segment we call the facts or the FAQs. Just just fun questions to to wrap everything up. So your first question is, what was the last TV series you binged? Um, Queen's Gambit. Mm. Oh, I was she did. Somebody to watch that show the other day. I was, I think my sister in law, she's asking what to watch, and I said Queen's Gambit. That's what and so she good. did an amazing job hosting SNL last week. Oh, she the did. Finale. Oh my gosh, that was a good show. That was a really good show. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, when I when, at first when I saw Anya Taylor Joy, I was like, oh, is, is she gonna be funny? And she <laughs> was. She, she she was she was okay. Second question. This is this is a very crucial question. Do you think a hot dog is a sandwich? Why or why not? That's a great question. A <laughs> <laughs> sandwich? <laughs> no, it's a hot dog. Oh, it's, it's in its own category, you think? Yeah, you never call a hot dog a sandwich, right? 
but it could be considered okay. a sandwich though is right? it a, it's the same well, it's the same setup well well, well so is a burger sandwich but okay i this is my theory <laughs> Okay. Because <laughs> okay, there's sandwich, hot dog, hoagies, right? Okay. There's, there's okay. hoagies too, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And so maybe sandwiches, the bread has to be separated, right? Oh, okay. A, a hoagie can be like a French bread just kind of mm -hmm. opened cool. up, right? Yeah, yeah. Hot, hot dog doesn't, the bun doesn't necessarily open up. It's just kind of right there. It just splits down like that, yeah. right? Yeah. This yeah. is a t this is like a question that I've been grappling I think, with. I think it can be put <laughs> under the sandwich category, but obviously it has its own. Like I think like even like a, a hoagie, like all those put like all those things can be put in the sandwich, even a burger. Yeah. Like in the sandwich category. I don't burger. They, they all have the same <laughs> stuff, right? They all are two buns with meat and maybe sometimes vegetables, sometimes cheese. And well, stuff. like on the spectrum of bread concoctions <laughs> it, it's i think it does fall between a hoagie and a sandwich right uh maybe midway because i think burger is a totally different story right okay this is I this think, is like a umbrella category and there's some different types of sandwiches that fall in it well okay. i i well i i think if you can't afford the bun which my mother never bought it the hamburger hot dog bun. It was yeah. always white bread. She goes, you so I think if you put the hot dog in the the Wonder Bread, yeah, the bread, mm. then it's a it's a hot dog sandwich. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right? That's true. It depends. It depends well, on the bread. Hot dog sandwiches. <laughs> okay. Well, the world will never know. We're gonna ask this to every guest from now on. <laughs> okay. All right. What is one talent you have that many people may not know? Um, I am a self-claimed and to some of my friends who do have a tendency to have envy and jealousy, I probably am the best um, mime, amateur mime amongst <laughs> my, they laugh. See, they laugh because they don't yeah, have the gift. No, I'm laughing because have I, I, haven't <laughs> seen, I haven't seen or anything about a mime in such a long time. Like yeah. I forgot about them. Well, yeah, marginalized. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, justice for mime. For mime, where are you at, mimes? Like, come back oh, out. Mimes, come out. Well, <laughs> I think, well, as an actor, don't you? I think, don't they have like acting classes? Like, mime is part of the repertoire. I, I know a lot of my actor friends taken mime before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. I think yeah. in improv they make you do a lot of mime exercises. Yeah. Okay, mime. Like, okay. I, I I like to incorporate mime in, into my dance repertoire and okay. you know, good. Like, when, okay, when I so first met my now. wife. Yeah, my first one, my, my wife, like the pickup lines have mine incorporated. Like, you know, it's like, what's up? <laughs> no? where, are you, where are you going? Where are you going? Right? Watch this one. That's one. Hey, where, where are you going? And they go down the stairs, right? Oh, you woke your dog up. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Look how the dog is looking at you. So oh my god he's like what are you doing <laughs> um wow so sung kang the mind we need to see more of that in your in, 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 in the next couple of things that you do okay so is there a movie or tv series that you watched as a child that scarred you for life <laughs> uh scarred me for life me for life me or like for life. scared you like yeah or, or like or, you know. scared you and left like, like you couldn't watch it again for like 10 years or something yeah yeah oh yeah have you ever have you guys ever seen faces of death yes oh, <laughs> oh my god like, yes uh, like a nine-year-old boy does not need to be watching that like faces uh, of no. death it, it was a, it was a series right it was like a series of vhs tapes yeah it, it, yeah and it, it's just death like showing you how people die, like in detail, and you go, yeah, right. But I think it was all fake. They said it was staged because there's like people eating like you know monkey brains. That's the one that sticks out in my head. Yeah, the where they they they, yeah. they, they, they put a, a documentary or a feature. I've never heard of this one. It's a docu like, docu series, I guess. I don't know. Docu docu feature about yeah. like death. Oh, yeah, people gosh. die. And it's I really graphic. One. I just watched a docu feature about death. It's on Netflix. Honestly, it made me like feel okay about it. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys watched it, 
it made me feel less scared about it. But I don't. I mean, obviously, I don't want to die. So, yeah, this was like the this the, the monkey. This yeah, this one. one. <laughs> <laughs> this one was almost like a snuff film. Like it, yeah. it's it, it's weird. It's like yeah. the one that me and Stung were talking about. I remember this vividly. Like these got these people. They go to this restaurant, and I remember a monkey's head pops out from the middle of the yeah. table. They trap it and then they bang it with a hammer, the head until it yeah. dies, and then they eat the monkey brain. And you see this happening? The whole thing. Hell and then, no. <laughs> and then they go into like cinematic close-ups, like a single Hell of the of no. the monkey going. Yeah. Like released in America? I don't, I don't think they were American. Okay, I was gonna yeah. say, like, <laughs> I feel like PETA would have been all over that. No. <laughs> I don't know if it was, it might have been, I don't know, but I remember watching that as well. Oh, good, you bought that. I wonder if that's like on a, a streaming service. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna go look for it. <laughs> I bet you could Wait, what it is it YouTube. called? I can probably watch it now. What is it called? Faces, Faces of, of death. death. Faces of Death, okay. And there's like volume one, two, three. There's like a oh, lot. Okay. There, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Faces of death. Um, okay. Would you rather be a wizard or a superhero? I would like to uh, a wizard. Okay. Like, so you're more I like could, a Harry Potter. Well, I could, I could, I could spell myself to be a hero then, right? Yeah, you can. Okay. Look at that bucking the system. You know. Is <laughs> <it>? <laughs> You know, as a kid, remember the genies, the three wishes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, I always said, what's the worry, guys? And they're like, why? You wouldn't have three. I go, wish for a million wishes. <laughs> That's true. Right? There you go. <laughs> Superheroes have a lot of responsibility, too. Like, yeah, wizards, wizard, like, I don't wizards just chill, right? I do what I so want. chill. It's because yeah. it's in like, the clothing. You only need one layer of clothes. <laughs> Everything can be what if underneath. Right. It's all tight. You gotta watch your weight. You can't. Even yeah. Right. I mean, I'm sure Gandalf is like in shape and everything, but you know, he's like no, chilling. He's not. He <laughs> he's not. He's late. But like he died and he came back. I mean, he was Gandalf the White and Gandalf the Great. He just comes back like Han. That's like Han. <laughs> Han is the Gandalf of the Fast and Furious Look franchise. Look <laughs> how you connect with the two. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so our final question is, is there an underrepresented uh, voice in the industry, whether it's an actor, writer, producer, or creator that is not like wildly known that you think people need to know about and deserves more recognition from the film and TV Hollywood world? Ah, great. Great question. Hmm. There's so many unsung heroes. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, I can go down the list of people that I feel. Yeah, married. feel free. So many people. But even yeah. even just going back to the start of my career from our conversation about Alex Lamar, mm -hmm. there were so many people that were mm -hmm. part of that, from the, 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 the producers to uh, Ernesto Ferrando, who mm -hmm. is a, uh, a a screenwriter that went to film school with Justin. You know, he has been with us on this journey from Better Luck Tomorrow all the way to, you know, the fast movies because he mm -hmm. gives Justin an opinion. He's able to bounce off ideas. And, you know, when you, you know, hear, when you see like a life, you know, doc biopic about some famous person and they have like their right-hand man, you know, or their partner in crime, that's always been in the shadows, you know. Um, Ernesto, you know, he's one of those people that, you know, never get the credit. People don't know who he is, but, you know, he's able to really extract, like, you know, the soul, I mean, the, the relatable, like, I guess, themes that Fast and Better Look Tomorrow, you know, has been able to convey. And mm. it's nice that Justin has a partner in crime like that. Nobody, nobody ever gives him credit. So, I mean, he's yeah. just one of many, many right. people, right? I a lot of people like that. Yeah. 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 Like right now I'm working with um, a makeup team on the Hans, uh, on, on the Obi-Wan huh. Kenobi series. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I get to work with this one gentleman, Bart Mixon, 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 M-I-X-O-N, who did the makeup and uh, the effects for the first It, you know, Ooh. Pennywise's It, you know, and he's in his like 70s and he did the, oh, wow. the effects for the you know, RoboCop. He was the one that oh, came up with all that stuff. The original one. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he has the whole history of like amazing films that I grew up, like riding my bike to the video store to watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of those people that like I, you know, like looked up to, like, you know, I didn't know who he was. And now he's actually doing the prosthetics for me or doing my makeup for the show. But most importantly, his light behind his eyes, like he's so excited to come to work every day. He always wears some Star Wars or some Marvel t-shirt you know and and he's you know he's in his late 70s and he talks about the comic book that he just bought with his brother and he's talking about you know the the, you know how much he loves star wars and it's infectious you know and Mm. this guy's been nominated or won oscars so you know he's seen it all he's worked with everybody you know so there's nobody that he's impressed about but he loves what he does you know Mm. and those are the people like bart you know behind the scenes people man it's like yeah i I'm honored, humbled, and then grateful that I get to learn and be around people like, you know, Bart. Um, anyway, so I can just keep going, guys. Yeah. <laughs> great. Great. Yeah, shout out to all of them. Shout out. And we know that you're wearing prosthetics for Obi-Wan, so, hmm. No, <laughs> no it's, it's prosthetics to make these look smaller. We look forward to seeing your mime skills and yeah, Obi Wan. Thank you. <laughs> and in fast nine, Han. Oh, I thought I'll do Han. Sorry. So, thank you so much. Thank you, son. Thank so you. much laughter. Love it. Yeah, it was a good time. Sure was. And, and uh, Fast Furious Nine, Fast Nine, Furious Nine comes out this Friday. <laughs> on the 25th because this show is coming out on what day the 22nd june 22nd june 22nd go to go to the theaters guys we went to the theaters and it was it was a great experience it was nice to be back after i think what did you say like i think mine was like a year and a half or something or probably like 2019 was the last yeah mine was my last movie i saw was the mulan premiere in march 2019 yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then That's this wow. Fast Nine was my first movie I saw in the theater, like an actual theater. Yeah. So, so it was a good one to, to watch. It's a good one. You need to watch it in the theaters, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks again, Sung. For Thank you me. so much, Sung. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.